The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to find food truth and connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture. And today it is my great honor to bring you Mr. Robert Kenner, who is the producer and director of Food, Inc. And the reason why I thought it was so important to have you on, Robert, was last week my uh, interviewee mentioned that your film was not a documentary, but it was a movie. And I emailed you as soon as I got home, and I said, could you come on and clarify that statement? <laughs> so well, welcome. I, I, well, first of all, I'm delighted to be here, and I, I like the idea of trying to connect the dots. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's so important. That's one of the things we try to do in Food, Inc. Food, Inc. is a film shot with real people, telling their stories. It's not something we wrote. It's real people using their own words. I would say, I would hope it was not only a documentary, but a movie. But to say it's not a documentary, I I can't explain that statement because uh, we're very much a documentary. But uh, if that's implying that it's not truthful, right? I'd say we really went out of our way to... I've never spent so much time. I've worked in numbers of films where we have extensive fact-checking with National Geographic and American Experience on PBS. And on this film, we spent months and months and getting numerous, numerous sources to back up every single statement that is said in this film. Hmm. And the fact of the matter is these companies that we made the film about, we attempted to have them all participate. And unfortunately, so much of this world was closed off to us. Mm-hmm. And that was, to me, a real shame because it was we were attempting to tell the story about where our food comes from. You're so right, Robert. I have to tell you that as a dietitian and a consumer advocate, my own experience in contacting food companies and asking simple questions like where do some of the ingredients come from and the response to me is often, who are you with and why do you want to know? I think there's a real effort, and I think this was, for me, as shocking as anything about what we're eating, is to deny us the information about what we are eating. And one of my first days out, Melinda, was going to shoot with Eric Schlosser, who was going to a hearing on whether we should label cloned meat. Right. And... Uh, I'm not a food person. I, I'm a filmmaker, and I didn't even know there was such a thing as cloned meat. <laughs> but at that hearing, there was a representative from the meat industry who stood up and said, you know, I think that this is not information that consumers would want. Uh, it's not good for them. It would only be too confusing. Yeah. It's not in their interest. Those were the words she said. It's not in the consumer's interest to be given this information to label that you're eating cloned meat. It's, and, the, it's the same way with RBH. It's uh, the same way I could take up a half an hour interview and list all the things that we are being denied the information. And we live in a free society with a free market, and yet these very few powerful corporations will do so much to prevent us from knowing what we're actually eating. 
And I think that's a mistake. I always thought in a free market, you should, if you have a good product, you should advertise it, not stop the person from knowing what's in it. Well, I think there's an illusion of freedom. And just as one of the issues in your film brings up, there's an illusion of diversity in the marketplace. And with consolidation, we've, we're, what's happening is it looks like we've got choice, but really we don't. I think that's, and I didn't know that. You know, I, it's amazing um, how little sort of choice. I mean, you go into an American supermarket and it's bountiful. I mean, it's, you know, most people around the world would be thrilled to walk into that supermarket. So, on, you know, on one level, there's so many great things happening. And I don't want to deny them. You know, we're, we're spending less of our paycheck on our food every week than we have at any time during the history of the world, which is a great thing. The unfortunate part of it is this inexpensive, bountiful food system is coming to us at a great cost, an unseen cost. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what I thought would be an interesting film, and the, the unseen cost being that this food is polluting our water system, polluting the earth that it's grown in, abusing the workers who are processing and you know growing and processing this food, abusing the animals, and ultimately not good for us, the consumer. We're becoming sick from this food. Well, you know, I had read an interview with you in the New York Times Magazine in October of 2008, and there's a great quote. You say, I'm not worried about threats from abroad. I'm worried about the safety of our food. And you're not alone, because 73% of more than 2,000 adults who participated in an online Harris Interactive survey in February indicated that they were equally as concerned about food safety as the war on terror. And what your film does, I think, is it brings up these ugly issues about our food system. And what I've seen from people is that they really don't want to be informed. I mean, there are let me let me just step back and say some people do want to be informed, but I also run into many more who don't want to see the negative. It's certainly easier not to see what you brought forth in your film. Well, listen, we're all bombarded by so many problems <laughs> right. in our world. It's exhausting, you know. Yeah. It, it, we get tired from, and like we just want to live our life, and <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. take some, <laughs> be able to go home at night or something. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I think I, I wanted to make a film where you didn't have to sit there with your eyes closed because it's so gross, and you know, I could have done that very easily. Mm. But I wanted to make a film that made people open their minds and made them want to think about the situation because this food system, it's solvable on some levels. We can take small actions and make changes. Right. But we also, it would be nice to make big changes as well Mm -hmm. but we know as we say in the film you get to vote three times a day breakfast lunch and dinner Mm -hmm. and that these companies are ultimately need to be responsive to you as a consumer so as as we become more conscious and it's there's reasons that we're unconscious about this food system i mean these come first of all it's a brand new system it's really only been around 40 50 years right you know and that illusion that our food comes from a small farm with a Mm white picket fence in a red barn, our food used to come from those places and it's come from them in my lifetime. And it's changed. And yet we don't get a sense of that change when you go to the supermarket because you see all those pretty pictures on the packages. Right. But, I, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, but it, it's changed. And these companies 
spend billions of dollars to not make you think about how this food has changed and what it's doing to us. I can't tell you how many people I've met who have seen your film who say, I will never look at food the same way. I have changed the way I eat. I had dinner with a friend the other night who said, you know, I bought myself a meat grinder because I'm never going to eat the ground beef at the supermarket again after seeing your film and films like yours that do force people to take a look at the truth. Well, I'm I'm very gratified that it has... I mean, I think Food Inc. played into a really large food movement that was percolating out mm-hmm. there. And I didn't realize it at the time when we were making it, but there was a tremendous amount of publicity because of the food movement, because of the interest in this subject. I mean, we all eat, and mothers or parents want to serve their children good food, healthy food, and all of a sudden we're a little concerned that maybe this food, it's not what we think it is. Mm-hmm. And we're beginning to question and but I do think that there are some good options, and and it's not going to be painful to try to make it better for ourselves. Right. It, it can be good. I mean, I, I find you go to the farmer's market. First of all, the actual experience of being at a farmer's market is far more pleasant than going into a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you end up talking to your neighbors, and you're buying food that's fresh, and it's grown locally and tastes better, and maybe it's slightly more expensive, but you're you're getting better food, and it's ultimately a lot cheaper because of the associated costs with that other kind of food. Mm-hmm. I think that ultimately that we just have to figure out, you know, we're not going to be perfect eaters. I'm not a perfect eater. Uh, I'm not a vegetarian. I really want to eat less meat for numbers of reasons. I don't think the earth can support us eating the amount of meat we eat. I sure don't want to eat industrial meat, but I also don't want to eat industrial tomatoes, frankly, right? or industrial strawberries. But ultimately, for me, Food Inc. became about more than just the food. It was the power of these companies to deny us information right. that I found as frightening as the hamburger meat. I agree. You know, what I thought was frightening was Barbara Kowalczyk, who was afraid to say that she didn't eat hamburger she she did she was afraid to say that on air because she was afraid of being sued and this whole idea of being gagged i thought in a free democracy we had freedom of speech but now we can't speak out about our food choices there is a tremendous these companies have tremendous power and i think it goes beyond just food companies but the balance of power has shifted to few corporations that run a number of industries. And they, the power has shifted not to create healthy, good food for the consumer, but to make profits for those corporations and shareholders. And I've actually, what I've found happening is a lot of these companies, they, there's that Gandhi quote that first they, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you beat them. Right. Uh, that these companies, you know, we didn't exist, and then they made fun of us, and then they went on the air and said they've had a number of attack websites coming at us because of the film. Yes. But what I've found now is all of a sudden because of this swelling consumer interest and the food ink became a lot bigger than they were hoping. 
Yes. Uh, or and they and I don't only mean Food Inc. I mean the movement around the food movement that Food Inc. played into. That these companies, these same people that wouldn't go on camera, are now sort of not out of great, not out because they're happy to see me or see the film, are now watching the film and wanting to have question and answers with me and people like myself. And I find that really interesting because I think they're now becoming concerned that there is a movement out there that they didn't quite understand and they're realizing they better start understanding it if they're going to stay in business. Yeah, I, I ask myself a lot, you know, what are people afraid of when they see your film and they make attack statements what what are they afraid of are clearly of course corporations don't want to lose any market share but is there something else that they're afraid of well i think that they've i think they think of themselves as saviors on some levels that they're feeding the world mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we're coming out with a, a sort of another model of looking at that and it's breaking that their model apart. And that's always scary. Yeah. <laughs> and it's frightening, and it's having to rethink things. And, and I, I think that at first it was easier to ignore us, and I think you're the person who came on and said it's not a documentary, it's a movie. First of all, it's a, it's a confusing statement in itself. Right. But if it's a put down to say that the movie's not true, I would be very curious to hear what was not true. For me, what was gratifying is that there, there were some people in the industry who said, listen, maybe we better start addressing these issues. There were some companies that attacked us, but they've now slightly changed their, you know, Monsanto created attack websites, but you, Grant, just came out in Business Week, and, who's head of the company, Monsanto, said perhaps we made a mistake and should have gone on record and should have been in that movie. So... Whether that means they'll change their policy, that's a whole other question. But, you know, at least in a marketing sense, they're realizing, unlike your previous guest, that they have to start to address it. Right. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Robert Kenner, who is the producer and director of Food, Inc. What I find happening kind of under the radar is the loss of our seed. So we go to the farmer's market and... I I prefer to buy meat that's been raised without GMO grain. And farmers are telling me it's harder and harder to find the non-GMO seed. And, of course, you tell this, this story as well in the film. And now, of course, Monsanto is facing Department of Justice inquiry. I was very glad to see that, and I'm hoping for a positive outcome. I'm frightened by this control issue where one company controls so much of the meat production or of the seed. What did some of the farmers share with you about that, and and what do you think the answers are? Well, I think one needs, you know, uh, I grew up during the Cold War. We used to look, and this is a, I'm basically copying a statement that I had heard from a farmer who said, who also grew up during the Cold War and said, you know, we used to look at the Soviet Union and think, here are people who have to buy from one company, you know, for a state-run organization, and it's not flexible, it's not robust, there's something wrong with it, and the, the free market is so much better where we have competition, and we can then create better products. And Unfortunately, I think we've had such a triumph of few corporations swallowing up other corporations that we've created a system that is no longer robust. Mm-hmm. And I 
believe in capitalism, but I think that it's gone askew. Right. Uh, because in a funny way, it's more like that Soviet system where there was very few, very little competition. And it seems to be that that's, it just continues in that direction. Right now, the Monsanto gene, everything we talk about in Food Inc. has gotten far, you know, more extreme since then. The, the Monsanto gene is now in 95% of the soybean mm-hmm. and 80% of the corn that we eat. And those items are in 90% of all items in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. So here's one company that has, they're basically, their items are in 90% and they control basically, you know, the vast majority of all of that. And I don't think that's healthy. I also don't think it's healthy to have corn and soy be so dominant. Right. That we need diversity. I mean, so it's it's bad from the seed all the way up. I have farmers talking about how we now have two crops and how they need more and more pesticides and more and more herbicides because these, these species are now learning how to go attack these and they become more sophisticated. So we have to keep using more and more chemicals. And it's poisoning the water and robbing the land of its nutrients, creating food that's not good for us, and we're subsidizing it, and it's making us sick. So these companies are making money, but we as citizens are paying for it in subsidy and then paying for it in health care. And something is wrong. We're not paying the real cost. I heard you speak at a conference in California uh, several months ago, and you had mentioned that you spent more on legal fees making this film than in all of your previous film work combined. And you also mentioned that you had left footage, a lot of footage, out. If you were to redo the film, would there be some footage that you would put in? Well, I spent, I've made about 15 other films, and I probably spent three times the amount of legal fees on this film than I did on all of the other 15 combined. And that's just legal fees. We also kept changing things. Our animation, we had to get approval, like how long can you actually show a product on screen, like a McDonald's hamburger, without being sued. So we would, everything would cost us money because I would have to get legal sign-off and they'd say, how long is it going to be on? And I wouldn't know until we would create it. And then he would say, that's too long, he being my lawyer. Yeah. And we'd have to go back and spend money to recreate it. So the legal fees are not really indicative of how much more we spent mm-hmm. and how much more time we spent fact-checking and deciding is that a valid source for our third source of fact-checking. You know? yeah. So every statement was gone over with a fine-tooth comb because... We knew no matter what we said, we were going to be attacked. Mm-hmm. And are there, there were things I took out that I know were true because we would go to these companies, whether it was Smithfield, Purdue, Monsanto, and say, here's who we're talking to. Here's what we're talking about. We would like you to come into the film and speak and to represent your point of view because we are feeding the world. There are things you can say. Richard Lobb from the National Chicken Council was one of the very few people who came on, and I took what I thought was his very best statement for representing the chicken industry, which said, we produce more chickens on less land for fewer dollars. And I'm thinking, okay, I want to represent Richard in the best possible way, because it makes you think, and I think that's the fair way of doing it. Right. 
he was one of the very few people who came on. But I don't think, you know, do I, Melinda, do I regret taking things out of the film? Yeah, I mean, there are things in it that I took out that I think are fascinating. One was Purdue had been feeding their chickens arsenic. Hmm. And they were defending the use of that arsenic. And Carol Morrison, our chicken lady, talked about how she gives her chickens, the feed is filled with antibiotics and arsenic, and that goes into the water system, into the land. And she herself had become immune to antibiotics. She had Lyme disease, so she couldn't take antibiotics, and it just totally messed her up. But we said to Purdue, that was her statement, and they said, we've stopped using arsenic in the last week. (laughs) You can't use that statement. Wow. And I'm thinking, but you defended it four weeks ago and said it was good. Right. And I took it out. Was it right to take it out? No, I think, you know, on some levels, no. But, you know, at the same time, the film is so filled with so much information. Would that have changed the film? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I, I think that we ultimately, it felt painful at the time to take things out. And I, you know, sometimes I qualified things that I truly, like Monsanto talked about how many lawyers they had that were investigating farmers or, and uh, I used their quote, and then they denied it at the last second, even though it came from them. Unbelievable. And I, I qualified it to use it a different way. But I think ultimately it was acceptable, and I'm glad I was more cautious because I spent too many sleepless nights as it was. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, if you were to, I imagine you're working on other projects today. If you were to do a part two of this film, what would you do? Well, I think, first of all, as a filmmaker, I always love to go to new territory (laughs) and try to make stylistically new films. But there are two or three areas that interest me. One is, in speaking people from the World Bank, what's happening around the world? There's this saying, we need this system to feed the world. Right now, there's six billion people in the world. And at some point, we're going to be up to nine billion, and we have less and less land to grow food on, and we have less and less water to use to grow it. How is it going to work? And my one reaction is the system we have now, there are over a billion people who go to bed hungry as is. Right. So I'm not sure it's necessarily feeding the world. It's certainly feeding wealthy people in the first world very, very well, but it's not feeding one billion people are not eating properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's at best. Most of them are starving. The question is, will is this industrial system really better at feeding the world? And, uh, I, you know, I've heard different stories of, uh, you know, I, I would sort of question whether we need alternative models, such as regional and local, as opposed to massive corporate and that's one story that interests me on an international level, because you hear of certain countries now buying arid land in the Sudan to feed themselves, Saudi Arabia coming in to buy land, the Chinese buying land in countries where they can't feed themselves. So I would argue that's not feeding the world, it's feeding the first world. Right. And these drought-tolerant seeds that Monsanto is going to save the world with, you're not allowed to study them without their written permission. And people who do study them, Scientific America, said they don't believe 
that they are better, but they can't publish their reports because they'll be sued by Monsanto. Mm. So I think we need transparency. So that's, that's one arena. Gary Hirschberg, who's in the film, talked about the possibility of doing something else, about how this good, organic, healthy food, how there's so many benefits from it, and how can we help it break through. He was just talking about a numbers of really fascinating stories. One was a, a prison where they started to feed the inmates better food, and the number of violent incidences dropped dramatically, just how people respond to food. I was thinking, you know, maybe it would be interesting to start doing commercials or something, you know, like right. little information spots that go on our telephone or ways of how do you reach people to make them think about a system that seems broken. Yeah. <laughs> and fighting people who say it's not a, you know, it's not a documentary, it's a move, implying that only documentaries are truth. I don't, you know, I don't even know what the statement means, but it seems damning in some it did. It bothered me because it questioned the truth that you brought to yeah. the list of viewer. I have to say, a number of the companies that we <laughs> condemn in the film wherein I screened the heads of these corporations, and they actually sat there and watched the film, said, God, we thought it was going to be very different. <laughs> wow. I thought that was an interesting statement. Right. But, but as I say, I think these people have thought of themselves as saving the world. And all of a sudden, we're offering an alternative model, and it's hard to change. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to rethink of yourself as maybe not part of the solution. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also hard to not continually, they're only there because they're making profits for their shareholders. Exactly. Uh, so, on one hand, they have to keep making profits for their shareholders. And um, I think we have to figure out a way perhaps with the help of government, where they can make profits that help and for their shareholders, but they happen to also make better food that we're going to eat and can feel safer about it. I agree. Robert, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I want to thank you, not only for your time today, but I want to thank you for your film, because I think more than any efforts any other group has tried to make in the past – this film broke through, and it was a catalyst for the movement. So, again, if you if you, you were listening and wondering who we were talking to, it was Robert Kenner, who is the producer and director of Food, Inc. And this program is brought to you in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Thank you, listeners, and thank you, Robert. Thanks so much, Melinda. It was a real pleasure.